Good evening, everybody. Hey, welcome again, Living Water Young Adults. My name is Chase, and uh, one of the pastors of Living Water. Hey, happy Thursday. Man, it's good to see you. And uh, if you are new to the Living Water Young Adult community, a special welcome to you. Um, most of the faces I see are familiar. There's a few that I, I don't know if I've I either have met, maybe one or two that I'm recognizing, or a couple that just haven't maybe been here in a while. Welcome back. And um, if you are newer, um, there's a way to get connected or just get the information to help stay connected. And the best way to do that is through our text connect. We send a text out every Thursday, just kind of letting you know what's going on for young adults. And if you have yet to be a part of that text connect, uh, that's how you can be a part of it. You can text the word LWYA, LWYA guest, all one word, to 97,000. Get a little text back. There's a little link that you can fill out a connection card. If you don't want to do that, you don't have to. Um, but that'll add you by just texting. It'll add you to the thread, and that way you'll get the text messages. Again, they are just once a week. They are not that obnoxious um, uh, to my estimation, but that's the greatest way you can stay connected there. And a special welcome again. Well, tonight uh, is one of my favorite kind of nights because we're we're wrapping up a series through love, relationships, and singleness. And can I say, if you've been here for any of the weeks, um, over the last several weeks that we've been in this series, it's been awesome because, man, we've had, we've had some great guest speakers that have just, at least for me, I, I haven't really, I don't know what y'all think. Uh, I've talked to a few of you, but I, I, I believe, just based off of some of the feedback, and then the stuff that I've experienced, some of these, these guest speakers have been phenomenal in speaking about singleness and, um, and relationships and marriage. And, and it's just been, it's been really encouraging. And so I hope and pray that you've been encouraged and challenged throughout this series. And tonight is our, our wrap-up for that. And um, I have the most important person in the planet, in the whole planet, the whole world, to me in the room and joining me tonight for our conversation. And this is my wife, my bride. So will you help me welcome Holly? Hello. This one's for you. And she is with child for a number four. Number four. Ew, and we, we match. I'm so mad. <laughs> you should, why are you, it's really hot. No, that's just because you don't want to be that matchy. Whatever. I'll take it off in like two minutes. You should just, on? you just. No, I. I was sitting in the chair back there. It was like this. And I like <laughs> shifted my jacket and went, oh, man, we're camo. It's almost like we're married. You know what I mean? Oh. But I saw you twice. And I knew what you were yeah, wearing. And but I all that says earlier. to me is you actually don't pay that much attention to me. That's all, that's all it says. So now, I'm, now I feel hurt a little bit on the inside. Um, hey, welcome. Thank you. Super glad to have you uh, with me tonight. If you don't know, this is my wife, Holly. And... Uh, Man, she is incredible. Um, we, what we're gonna, what, here's what we're going to do tonight. I'll, I'll kind of get right into it, and, um, and that way you have a little bit more of a roadmap of where we're going to go. Um, we, a, as we've been doing for the last several weeks, I love creating the opportunity for people to send in questions throughout the night. So if there are things that come up that you're like, I'd love to hear more on that or, or speak to that, um, that you have the access to do that. And we're going to have a, a, our app open here receiving the text messages that will we'll really address at the end of the night uh, come, that come in. So if you want to be a part of that, that same number um, that I mentioned earlier about LWYA guest, if you've already texted that number before and you've put the word LWYA or LWYA guest before it, uh, you should be already written in the system and you could just text whatever question uh, or comment. You can say, please stop talking about this. That's fine. You can do that. Um, Whatever comment or question, Rob, will you put that number up though, just in case somebody doesn't have it? Will you do it one more time? It's that just even the the the, the guest slide, but it is just ninety-seven thousand. It's actually really easy. In case you're like a super visual rememberer, just want to make sure you're good. Um, so text if, throughout the night, text questions, and we're gonna do our best to respond to those uh, because you know I just I want to be able to kind of speak to where. You're at, you guys have already asked some great questions throughout the course of the series, and um, there's been some phenomenal responses. Um, but we wanted to give one last opportunity around this idea of love relationships and singleness for, for this group to be able to send those in. So I'll have that open, and, um, and then we're going to have a conversation. So what I'm going to do is introduce uh, 
in a nutshell, a little bit of our journey, um, and then the the specific like lane we're gonna drive in as we share our journey is is the relationship of rejection and restoration that we've experienced, uh, relational rejection and restoration that we've experienced in our journey, and um, and, so, and a lot of you may know our story, and so we're not gonna get into the, all the details of it because I don't want to go go back over it. For, some of you may not, but it's filled with rejection. <laughs> And restoration, and uh, thus is a lot, a lot of life, and um, and I'm sure you're sitting here and have had some experience in your life with rejection, in the context of not just human relationships, but maybe even in like the desired romantic relationship or potential of a relationship. Um, yeah, maybe you, maybe you feel like you're dominating in that category. <laughs> um, but it's also one that's, like, just not talked about a lot. Like, a lot of times it's, like, how to, you know, most relationship series and stuff that I've been a part of or have been a recipient of have spent most of the time talking about how to have a good and healthy relationship or, you know, what, what you should be looking for or who should you, you becoming, who you should be becoming, et cetera. Um, but they don't really get into the weeds of rejection and hurt and how, how you move through some of that and, how you overcome how that affects you and how do you address that before getting into another relationship if you should or shouldn't and wh- how do you do that within a relationship because it doesn't stay out of a, just a relationship like there's also rejection within a relationship a committed a relationship a marriage um, and so it's it's something I'm passionate about because it's been such a big part of our journey and a place that God has been so actively working on in both of us and in our relationship. And so, you know, if you were to, if you were to crack me open and be like, what's kind of like a, the big chunk of Chase's life that would be, that would come out of his life if he was to be cracked open, a big piece of it would be this idea of rejection and restoration. And, um, and so that's, that's really where we wanted to go tonight. You don't have to ask questions in that vein. We'll address whatever kind of comes in, but that's kind of where we're going. So, um, will you introduce yourself? Will you give a little bit, like, give them a little snapshot of just who is Holly Ann Merrill? <laughs> just anything. Just because, like, they know me as I talk a lot. No. They all know that. <laughs> uh, but would you give us a snapshot? Yeah. That's such an open-ended question. So stressful. I did that on purpose. Oh. What just comes to your, what comes to your mind and heart? Um... Part of your identity. Who are you? Mm-hmm. Ooh, who are you? Stop. Uh, I don't know why this is stressing me out so much. I don't. <laughs> three I don't, kids. I don't I'm pregnant with my fourth. Our fourth. Our whoa, fourth. Whoa. Our fourth child <laughs> together. Um, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> we might have to have a different kind of relationship Stop series. It. Like that. If if y- y- <laughs> I, I yeah I don't know I don't like open-ended like that. Um, part of why I'm asking is because of the journey you've been on in the last year through some of the um, the leadership things that you've been a part of. They've asked a lot of questions around your identity, and I thought it'd be cool. Just whatever the, off the top of your head and heart about who you are, what what stands out. Just give them a snapshot of who you are. <laughs> if you if you don't, I will t- I will do it. But I just figured, hey, <laughs> you know who you are more than I do. <laughs> Not really. I think you know whatever. more who I am. Um, I don't know why I cannot answer this question for the life of me. <laughs> I have a Christian educational ministry degree from Biola University, fabulous university in Southern California. Yeah, it is great. Oh, it's okay, Penny. I'll, I'll gladly receive a question from you. Uh, what do I do now? Oh, I can answer these questions. Thank you for giving me some direction in my life. Um, if, I, if I knew this was going to this was going to require <laughs> this much direction, I would have totally prepared differently. <laughs> um, I get to see over, oversee our kids ministry at Living Water Lacey you do. and that's been awesome and that's something I told the Lord I would never do in my life. Yes. Ever. And I feel like it's awesome and I love it and I wouldn't want to be doing anything else in this season. Yeah. Which is really cool. Improves a lot that the Lord can change a lot in our hearts and our minds. Oh, 100%. Um I love fitness and nutrition 
that's really fun. So I do that. I've been in the training world for the last eight years. Yeah, and crushing it in that space. Like, you are one of the most consistent and disciplined people I've ever met in this space especially. Thanks. Sweet. It's, it's true. <laughs> it's not sweet. I mean, I appreciate that you think it's sweet, but it's true. Um, and let me just kind of take a moment to honor her. For two years, like, since COVID kind of cracked into the picture of life, uh, she was helping a gym kind of start an online fitness thing while everything was shut down, and then they didn't really need that in the same way anymore. So that she's like, man, I kind of just built this thing. I'm going to I'm gonna launch into my own business, basically, and, and start this. A lot of faith, a lot of stepping out. And she did. And from, like, m- February of 2020, March. March of 2020, to literally Tuesday. M- Tuesday, two days ago, March 2022, she has, has done a live uh, class three or four days a week, every single week for two years in the morning uh, in some place, whether it's in like a freezing cold garage or a shed up in the backyard or, and I'm telling you like, I mean, some of you guys like maybe you love like pain and suffering. And so like waking up in like freezing cold, early temperatures is like, oh, no problem. It's like you live for that. A lot of people don't. I don't. And she would wake up early every single morning when she felt like it or not most of the time and get up there and lead people in an exercising work for 30, 40 minutes. Anyway, just insane. And I'm so challenged by who you are. That's one piece of who you are. But like that, I celebrate that two years that you just came to a conclusion of that run because of being pregnant in this new season. But um, it's it's been amazing to watch and challenging to me a lot. So that's one piece. What else? Anything else? Okay, I'll say something. So she's an incredible wife, incredible mom. We've got three kids, four on the way. Um, she's an ordained minister. Maybe you may or may not know that. She got ordained as a pastor before I did and um, had our, got her college degree before I did. And what else did you do before me? Is there anything else you want to add to the list? Of yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You were, yeah, you're seven months, seven? Seven months older, right? Director high school for seven years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Wow, yeah, um, and uh, and and our and our relational journey has been has been really 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 cool and also really uh, unique and difficult in different seasons. So here's the snapshot. I'll I'll go and then you interject and I'm gonna go quick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go for it. Um, we we met thirteen fourteen at a youth at a youth camp winter camp, and that's where it started. Um, I saw her, pursued her, pursued hard for like two years, and she was a freshman. I was an eighth grader at the time, and so there was this little bit of a difficulty because we weren't in the same school, blah, blah, blah. So you don't let anything, don't let anything stop you once you realize what you want, right? So um, pursued and experienced uh, two, two and a half years of like fierce rejection, <laughs> like crippling rejection. <laughs> Like, ruthless rejection. <laughs> what else can I? Um, and, again, yes, I'm 13, 14, 15. But it is heartbreaking. It's life. It's everything. There's nothing else in life in my world at that time that mattered like the pursuit of who my future wife was going to be. Interjection. Great. Out halfway through that couple years, there was a moment that I had a girlfriend we were hanging out, and she's like, so just want to let you know this piece of information. Chase told this youth leader that he had this dream that he's going to marry you someday, and he feels like that's the Lord speaking to him. And I was like, even grosser. <laughs> this poor sweet. <laughs> it was the Lord. But at that time. No, yes, 100%. Adding on to I, I, I literally, other events. 100%. I literally <laughs> had a sleep dream, a dream in my sleep. It wasn't like a God dream, like a vision. It was like I was sleeping and I had a dream and I was like, this has got to be from God because you don't remember dreams like this unless they really mean something. So I had to tell my youth leader, I was like, I had a dream. I married Holly Delaney and I think it's, I think it's God. And somehow that little dirt bag of a youth leader thought it would be, thought it would be appropriate to share his like student, you know, in his cabins, like you know, trust that he shared with the rest of the youth leaders, which were girls and guys, and then it just went like wildfire and got to her, and then that's what kept me behind the eight ball for the next year and a half as I pursued her because she had this, like, this weirdo 
thinks he's going to marry me. Uh, in that season of eighth grade freshman year and into my sophomore year, though, like I, did, I actually did pursue you really hard and really consistently and had multiple moments of, of rejection in a way that was like wasn't always nice. It wasn't just rejection like, no, thank you, but no thank you. It was like cold-hearted. No, I <laughs> I was just mean. She was mean. And which just made it harder. I don't know how else to explain. Um, he didn't. But I didn't, didn't get the hint. I was like, no, I had a dream. <laughs> so <laughs> this is just all part of this is all part of the testimony. I'm not I'm not phased. Um, <laughs> until I will never forget the moment. It was it was going in. I don't remember if it was going from freshman to sophomore summer. It was one of those. It was summer in that. But there was a pool party that you hosted at your house for the youth group. And uh, there were there was this group of brothers in our youth group at the time that were just, they just were the kings of the youth ministry. All three of them were just gorgeous. Every one of them had six packs. They just, they just, and they just were just bad boys. They just had that like, oh, are you a Christian? Like, oh, you love Jesus? And that was enough. And it was like, everything else that they did was just like, they were just GQ, Suave, B, Bad boys. They were just they were just bad boys, and they ruled our youth ministry in every way. Every girl wanted one of their one of the boys, one of the Silva boys, and the youngest one, Riley, is actually my best friend in real life, and he was, was the best man in my wedding. We ended up became became really good friends. Anyway, the older brother, who was two years older than you, right, or three or four, it was the worst. The older brother, the oldest one. Um, was three or four years older than her, and they came, all brothers, all the Silver Brothers came to this pool party, and I'll never, rem- I'll never forget the moment, but I, I, you know, and it's, okay, and p- put yourself in the picture, right, it's, it's a pool, I mean, we're talking like all of your insecurities about who you are <laughs> are exposed, and so like, I'm telling you, before we got to this thing, I did like 150 crunches in my house, push-ups, I mean, I just, everything I could do to bring my absolute A-game to that poolside was, was happening, and and it still wasn't enough. But I remember I remember seeing there and then just seeing, you know, all the guys were getting ready to get in the pool and the Silvas were there. And I remember Robert, the oldest, coming out and I watched him and Holly. And I had heard about her kind of liking him, but I wasn't seeing it in real life yet until I had this moment. And they were talking and laughing a little bit. And I and I remember sitting there at the pool at the end of the poolside just being like, It's over. <laughs> I I've lost I've lost. I can't beat that. <laughs> I can't be a four four year old three or three years older than you, Silva brother, and and that was the moment where I was like, I'm done. I I will walk away from this pursuit of two and a half years, and chart a different course. So, two and a half years of rejection, and then uh, I started liking your best friend Natalie. Right? Just go to Plan B. Don't act, don't act like none of you have ever done that or not done that. And uh, I genuinely started liking her best friend, Natalie, and pursued her. And over the course of the next year, year and a half of pursuing her, became really close to Holly. She also rejected you. Well, yeah. I was going to save that part out. I was just going to keep the rejection history between us. But, yes, thank you for the reminder. Yes, she also rejected me, and ultimately for a Silva boy, a different one. That's the worst part of that. So anyway, <laughs> as I pursued Natalie, though, I grew in, in really great friendship with Holly over those years because it was platonic. I genuinely stopped liking her after a couple months of letting all that go, liking Natalie. So I would talk to her all the time because her best friend was Natalie, and I wanted to be close to Natalie's best friend because I thought that could be advantageous for me in my pursuit. A lot of manipulating now that I think about it. I'm looking back at some. Um, again, 14, 15, 16. We became really good friends. And fast forward, fast forward, I'll save you the rest of the details. Um, she went off to college. And I started an internship at my church. Then I quit it about six months in, which uh, was a big deal in and of itself. I was playing softball with my, my guys during spring break. All the Silver Brothers, again, we're on the same softball team. Can't get rid of these guys. Stuck with me everywhere. Um, or I'm stuck with them, yeah. They're amazing. Though. They're, Riley's still my best friend to this day. And he's getting married in two months, three months. So it's a pretty big deal. Uh, 
and I saw I saw this girl coming up the sidewalk as I was in the on deck circle about to hit, um, and I was like, "Who's that?" You know, this is a couple years after we graduated, and as she got closer, I was like, "That looks like Holly Delaney." I need to hang out with her after this game. <laughs> uh, and I and I did. We we reconnected and. And then over the course of the next eight days, we hung out every single day. And uh, that was your spring break. You'd come home from Biola. And at the end of the eight days of hanging out, we were just, I mean, I, it was clicking. And I was like, what's happening? You know, I had totally, four, five, six years ago, punted on all this. This was, we were just friends. I wasn't romantically interested at all. And now I'm like vibing hard. And it felt like you were too. But I, you know, and at the end of it, it was communicated that there was mutual interest. I just we couldn't believe it. You went back to school for a month, came back from Mother's Day. I officially asked you to be my girlfriend, and we started a pursuit um, at, at that time. I was 19, right? You were 20, right around that. I can't remember. Getting to the block, getting to the next point of rejection, and 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 then we'll wrap this part up just to share a, a thought on this idea of rejection. Um, we started dating. We dated for 11 months, got engaged, and then we're engaged for six months, five months, four months, <laughs> three and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> and over the course of time, we, we both realized that where we were at wasn't healthy enough. I didn't feel like it was healthy enough. I'll be more straightforward. I wasn't healthy. And I didn't think she was healthy, and I didn't think where we were going was healthy enough to maintain our trajectory of being engaged. And I didn't, just didn't feel like we could get healthy while we stayed engaged. I had compromised some physical boundaries that we had set in our relationship that um, were dishonoring to her and dishonoring to our relationship with the Lord and broke, broke trust, bottom line, with her, just trusting me to be able to lead our relationship the way that I had committed to leading. And, um, and then there were some family things that you were walking through just how to become healthy without being, you know, I don't know, for lack of better terms, controlled by your family and how that relationship was going to look like within a new marriage. And so I broke up with her. And um, she probably wouldn't have necessarily wanted to do that if it was her choice in that moment. But that's what I did. I broke up. And I called off our engagement. She gave me back the ring. Um, whole, whole process. And at that point, I woke up the next morning after we broke up from our engagement, which, by the way, um, social media had just kind of started becoming a thing. It wasn't, like, as, like, it is now, but it was big enough that, like, everybody was fresh on it. So people, the whole world that we were connected to knew we were engaged, celebrated it, was super excited for us. And I was on staff at a church that she had been also really connected to, the same church that we met at, grew up in. Um, and so the, th the day after we broke up, I was like, I woke up, and I was like, I'm done. I'm, we are not going to get back together. I'm not going to go through this whole thing in front of the world again and be engaged and then break up our engagement and then get back together and do this whole roller coaster thing. And a lot of that was just because I was so dominated by what people thought about me and so concerned about people's opinions. But I, I genuinely was like, oh, this is done. You didn't feel that same way. Any thoughts? No, I was, yeah, it was a, I mean, we had been on this journey where we were and recognizing not, there was, an, there was, there was health that was needed that I didn't realize was really needed, but was so caught off guard by a breakup. Yeah. Like that was the last thing I, I could have thought would have happened. We were going up to get a red box movie to watch with this family. And I was just <laughs> devastating. <laughs> um, and, and it's a good point to pause. Like, although my rejection was earlier on and was less significant in the spectrum of like where we were, had, where how we had been developed and where we were in our lives, that was a significant moment of rejection in your life mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. cut you deep mm -hmm. into a place that you probably have never experienced that kind of pain mm -hmm. and hurt before. Mm -hmm. And so we had. Well, you're the only person I've ever dated. Yes, right. So that has an impact on that as well. Only person dated kissed mm -hmm. the whole thing yeah 
And I just was, you know. Over me. Yeah. Um, but, but for me, it was in a really unique seat where I, I was so, it was a long, terrible, extremely painful journey. But I kept coming back to this place of like, Lord, I don't get this. I'm so confused. Whereas like I can very clearly hear, see from him that he's done, like done, done, done. There's no hope of this ever. Well, like when I begin spending time with the Lord and like think about my future, like I can't, and I think about ministry and what I'm called to do, like I can't envision my life without Chase Merrill interconnected with that. And so like I don't get that. Like I'm trying to begin healing, Lord. But, like I don't get this because I don't, I really can't see life in ministry who I'm called to be without him. So it was confusing for me. And then to, to add insult to injury, after I did that initial, we broke up, I realized that we weren't on the same page pretty quickly after that, that I could see a lot of hope in her eyes still that we were going to be back together one day. And I didn't. And so I, I worked pretty diligently to make it clear to her there wasn't, there wasn't a second chance. There wasn't a, there wasn't going to happen. And so in my heart, it was like I'm being kind by not leading, Such good intentions. by not leading her on because I don't want to lead her on and give her false hope. But I, the way that that was executed was douchebaggery <laughs> to the nth degree. Dirt, just dirtbag USA. I mean, I just was, I didn't know how else to do it besides just cold shoulder, ignore, um, and, and talk about being cut even deeper after you've been broken up by a fiance, somebody that you're beginning getting married to, and then you go from that thought trajectory to broken up then to don't talk to me you're not talking to me to we saw each other like four days a week we saw each other a lot because of our cross with ministry and church and and so i'm acknowledging that was really painful part of the rejection process as well past that so i I, we will we'll we'll spare you the the restoration story part because i want to step into the rejection piece a little bit but but yes god restored uh eventually five months later we rekindled a friendship there's a whole story to that. I'm sure a lot of you know it, but if you don't, it's, it's crazy. And we have two different sides, but same, we come to the same conclusion. Um, and, and the Lord brought us back and he healed some things in us individually that needed to get healed and then healed and restored our friendship and then our relationship. And then we got re-engaged, uh, in May. So we broke up in September. We did not talk basically from September to January outside of the cold shouldering moments that we barely interacted. And then from January to May, we started a rekindling of friendship, relationship, and then got reengaged in May of 2012 and then got married in October of 2012. And so October will be, tw- will be 10 years of marriage for us this upcoming October. Um, yeah. And w- so why? Why? Why, are we, why are we giving you all that? Well, g- good chances are you have experienced rejection at some point already. Or you may in the future. And I don't wish that upon anybody. And yet when I when I spend time in the word and I get closer to Jesus, I recognize he's he was extremely familiar with rejection. And so we have a God who can empathize and really get the, that pain and that degree of um, emotion and feeling that comes with them with rejection. And he experienced it to the fullest extent of what humans can experience it to, obviously, and in a different sense of not romantically, but just in life. And so you and I have a God who empathizes with that pain. Why that's important for us to just point you to tonight is because whether you're in the middle of walking out rejection or you've got rejection baggage and hurt that you have not walked through or one day you face rejection, hear these words, cling to Jesus in that rejection because he understands that and can meet you in the middle of it better than anybody else can. And honestly, that's what I watched her do as she walked out those months following after I broke up with her. I watched her run to Jesus and cling to him. And I was really shocked by it. Not shocked because she loved Jesus and was serving and following him before, but I just, and call it call it pride, I just figured I was her whole world and the fact that I wasn't anymore I felt like I was going to watch a spiraling that didn't happen and it's not that it couldn't have but she intentionally chose in the middle of absolutely devastating pain and rejection 
to run to the feet of Jesus and cling to him like she had nothing else in the world to hold on to but him. And I watched it, and it was like, whoa, um, this girl's the real deal. And um, wait, is, there, is there anything from that piece? I know it's a while, a while ago, but is there anything from that piece that you would encourage people with about that whole process of clinging to Jesus in the midst of rejection? Gosh, I find myself longing for that season sometimes, not because of this. It was terrible feeling. But the intimacy that I had with Jesus, like I, there was nothing like it. Like for me, I had experienced some uh, bad health stuff and depression like a year before that, year and a half before that in college. It was it was a really hard season, but I hadn't experienced anything else so painfully deep. And so like for me, that season was this like, man, I get to experience what it's like to walk through some of these things that these feelings and emotions were at my lowest of low feelings. I get this opportunity to like dig deep and sink deep into Jesus like nothing else. Um, and it was the sweetest, sweetest moments I've ever had in my life over a, a cor- four months that just I long for and crave. I don't really long for that season, but there was, it was, it was so worth it in that sense. Um, yeah, I, I, watching people close to me walk through other seasons of rejection and watching the people that knew and loved the Lord, like, choose to become uh, more angry with the Lord or choose to, like, sink deep and go, like, man, this is my only hope and my only this is this is all I've got as I journey through this. Watching those trajectories and how it's impacted uh, their past ten years, just I think about like kind of where the season I'm at with friends that were in similar boats or people around me over this t- past ten years that I've known. It's just significant when you dig deep and go like, "That's it. Like I have nothing." There's nothing sweeter or more significant than Jesus. And when we, in those moments of brokenness and rejection, choose to not numb and um, cover up with something else that can be good and helpful uh, or make us feel better. And it's not necessarily a wrong thing, but like it's not something that's going to bring depth and hope and true healing. There's some, there's so much that's, that's missed out on in a season of rejection where you can gain so much in the midst of that rejection. Yeah. And it's most oftentimes that you don't see any of that until you're out of it. But there's a moment of somebody, us, trying to encourage you that if you're in it or you do walk in it soon, that to try to remember these moments to go, I don't want to miss what I can only gain from a season like this rather than just rush through it. Three things that I observed through that season that I would say, for someone that's walking through it, one, you you ran and clung to Jesus, for sure. And that's what was the most important thing. And it was messy. You didn't, like, have a, here's how you do the, here's how you run and cling to Jesus manual. It was messy. But you did the best with what you could and what you knew. And, and I, you know, I didn't know all the, the behind-the-scenes moments of that, obviously. Like, you know, but I saw some of those public pursuits in the church context. And you were abandoned. You did not care, and you worshiped God and ran after him, pursued him when you had the opportunities to do that. So run and cling to Jesus. The second thing you did is you ran and clung to community. <laughs> now, that was the other thing. I was just was like, she all of a sudden just dove into some 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 good Christian friends that were girls in her life and, and then moved into a house and just thrived in some relationships and community. And, and that was something that I watched pull you up and out of like the potential spiral. You, you didn't just wallow in your sorrow and grief through the pain of the rejection. You found people to surround yourself with that could pull you up and out well, and point you Because the right isolation way. is the most damaging thing. Right. And when you're in that, going like, man, I could continue to isolate myself even more. Right. Like when you push past the uncomfortable and begin pushing, pushing into like a mutual community, like friendship community, or begin going like, maybe I don't have friends around me. Okay, I'm going to begin pouring out of my <laughs> empty brokenness. Yeah. There is something deep and rich and fulfilling in that. Yeah. 
run and cling to Jesus, run and cling to community. And then thirdly, and, and kind of finally, what I observed was this, uh, you, you ran and clung to God's purpose for your life. And, and in that moment, you didn't waste time with who's the next guy or am I, are the dreams of what I wanted going to come into fruition now, now that they just got crushed? What you did was you pivoted and said, God, what do you want to do with my life now? I know I don't have control, and I'm letting go of holding on to whatever control I thought I had. And I watched that. It was this, like, I can't control Chase. I can't make him want me. I can't change his decision. I have to let go and, and accept the fact that I don't have control. A lot of people wrestle with that and struggle with that in rejection. They, they're desperate for the control to fix or to try and make happen what is broken. You release that. And then you said, God, what do you want to do with my life? And real practically for her, that was like God began to stir in her this, this passion for going to the mission field. And um, there was a, uh, a book that at the time had been pretty impactful in our lives, but in your life especially, called Live Dead. It was a ministry that primarily was doing missions work to uh, countries that were within that 1040 window. Um, which is like the most population of people that is the least uh, evangelized and also some of the most dangerous in the world to evangelize or be a Christian. In. And so she signed up with this missions organization <laughs> called Live Dead to go to Sudan. And they basically told her, okay, if you do this, what you are acknowledging is that you may not come back alive. And that was part of the that was part of the process. It was part of the, the waiver signing. It was like they made it clear. It wasn't like, oh, you could die. It was like, be prepared to not come back. That's the kind of stuff we're going into to bring the gospel to the to the people of Sudan. You started learning Arabic. I mean, it was this whole thing. And I'm sitting back watching like, okay, you know, this this girl is is literally going, God, whatever you want to do. And and I'll say, and that's, it may not be everybody's story, right? But let me let me just say the principles of what I watched God do through her after the rejection, I think are powerful and so relevant and applicable for people to, to chew on even for today if they are walking through it or walk through it in the future. Run and cling to Jesus. Run and cling to community. Acknowledge you don't have control. And then run and cling to God's purpose for your life. What is it, God, you want to do? And then charge after that with everything that you have. And then watch how the Lord heals, moves, transforms, restores. Uh, because it's, 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 it's powerful. So um, that would be a chunk of our story that I wanted to share. And again, some of you know that already. But for those that don't know us, I um, wanted to share that piece. And would also, if I, that's such a, last thing I'll say about our relationship now. That significant moment of me breaking up with her when we were engaged is still found its way in impacting our marriage throughout the last 10 years because it was deep. It was deep, deep, deep. And I, we're, st we're still finding things in ways that it has um, affected our current and present relationship. And that's really hard and difficult. And it's taken a long time of conversation, processing, counseling, different things that we're walking through to go, how do we continue to get to the absolute bottom of the root of this to get healed so we can keep being healthy and whole? And then I, throughout the course of our relationship, have had, uh, our, our marriage relationship, have had a lot of moments of micro-rejection, if you will. Not so much massive breakup engagement moments, but like moments throughout a relationship that I have been hurt by her rejection. And... Um, and here's what I want to encourage the married people in here or the engaged or the soon-to-be-married people in here. Um, you probably will experience some of that in your marriage. <laughs> and just because you're married doesn't mean that your spouse is always going to like you or want you or accept you. And they're human and they have flesh, and flesh is sometimes king or queen. It doesn't always, you know, always led by the Spirit. And um, here's something I'm learning in that. Uh, if you, if you, you've probably heard the phrase it before. Here's how I'll say it. If you live for their acceptance, you will die by their rejection. If you live for their approval, you will die by their rejection. And, and simply put, it is a constant journey for me to continue to find my greatest source of identity in Jesus 
so that whether or not she's like, you're the best thing I've ever laid my eyes upon. Ryan Reynolds, move over. <laughs> to, uh, I can't stand you. I can't, I don't care what you think or feel. I don't like you or want you, whatever, whatever that spectrum is. That my, my sense of acceptance and approval comes from not her. It's a different source. And so even if she's rejecting me, I don't die by that because it's not also where I'm getting my life from if she accepts me. That's a journey. And for some people, it's easier than others. But I'll tell you what, as a single person or a dating person or wherever you are now, that process is now for you. It doesn't just start when you get married. You can be doing that now. So when you get married one day, it's more a part of who you are in your relationship. And and you'll be a step ahead or three or four steps ahead than a lot of people will be at that process. Okay. Cool. Um, if you have more questions about rejection, breakup, that whole world, it's something really close to us. And we've walked couples um, that have gone through different seasons or trying to navigate that because of our story. Um, we just we have a heart for that especially and would love to be any anything a resource, anything that you need in that space to speak into or to encourage you. So don't hesitate to come our way. Okay, some great questions have come in. Let's hit a few of these before we wrap up tonight. Is Holly taller than you? No. And if she was, I'm confident enough in who I am that it'd be okay. Is she stronger than me? Potentially, in a few different places. Um, yeah, first of all, your guys' questions are awesome. Um, uh, there's some good comments in here, too. Uh, in my experience, spending time with the Lord together with my spouse can tend to be either um, non-existent or not very fun. What are some ways that you have found to engage with the Lord or in the Word together in a way that's fun and engaging while still fruitful? Great question. Great question. Do you have Do you have thoughts? I don't know on the word fun and engaging. I mean, not f- I mean the answering the fun side of things, but like the engaging side of things. Uh there's, we have not thrived in this in all areas. We've done ministry together, but like our personal relationships with the Lord have not always, as we like walk out in daily life, doesn't always, uh, we don't thrive at that always. Yep. Um, we did a. E- also, easy to say we've sucked at it for a decent amount of mis- our marriage. Miserably <laughs> failed about that aspect. Uh, uh, we did a Bible reading plan together and we commented yeah 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 um that was a cool way to engage and be able to like see each other's thoughts and have connection point throughout the day because we didn't have to verbally engage and it came in at different points but we comment like we did like a bible reading plan that you like commented on that was a cool connection point yep uh and just got us into each other's hearts and brains more that was the one thing I thought of. Yeah, I, I, I have pivoted my po- my um, position, if you will, on this this idea. Here's what I mean. Um, I I lean heavily more towards the side of, like, if you are healthy in your pursuit of Jesus individually, it'll overflow. Yeah. Rather than I hear a lot of couples, like, how do we how do we have better time together with the Lord? How do we, you know, and again, that, that desire and effort, I think, is good. But I would just, I would encourage you and say, man, is your time good? Because if your time is good, it's going to overflow naturally into your spouse and vice versa. And so don't take the pressure off. There's a lot of boyfriend, girlfriend. I have, you know, when we were in middle school or high school pastors for a couple years ago, like, that was the biggest question. How do we do our devos together? And I was like, stop doing devos together. Do your own devos. Your relationship with God is your relationship with God first and for- foremost. Get that healthy and right. And then let's, you know, and I would just say that's, that's still true even when marriage. Like, man. Dial in your relationship with the Lord and get in love with the word, get it, get a thing, and let it overflow. Overflow as you jump in the car and you're going to dinner. You're going to share what God is doing and speaking to you and let that be a part of how you have fun coming together around the word. Yeah. That's a real practical philosophical one in a sense. The other thing I'd say is um, j- jumping in and, and doing ministry together. Now, that's not uh, spending time with the Lord in like the normal devotional sense, but like something happens when you are together on mission in something that's stretching you out of your comfort zone. There's no substitute for it. And so um, jump in something together that you can not be 
the the it's it doesn't how do I say it? It's not gonna win or lose depend on depending on your shoulders. So that you're just supporting something, it's not gonna like you're like feeling the pressure of it succeeding, and you're like, come on, come on, babe, you gotta like don't put yourself in that position. Come along into something that won't win or lose on your shoulders, but you guys can serve in together. And a lot of the times, you will find it being more fun and engaging and fruitful. Great question. Um, is Natalie still Holly's best friend? No. <laughs> did you ha- did you see one? There's a couple more, but I'm gonna make sure you saw. There's one that you wanted to. I think that's great. The thing I think of, if you if you could go and tell yourself one thing before you got married, what would it be? Uh, The importance of the thing that I think we've come back to in marriage, and then come back to with people as we walk through us, like the importance of walking through some of your crap. So, like, get in counseling, or really begin dealing with some of the things that are like deep under the surface that you haven't even you might not even realize are there. Because that is what is going to come out. Because feelings are going to come and go. But, like, what is really how you value, how you see yourself, like, your deep yeah. values, how you see yourself, past past traumas, things like that are going to begin creeping into marriage, dating relationship, marriage, whatever it is, a year in, 20 years in. And so if you can begin processing some of that stuff in the season that you're in, do it. Yeah. And – and how to do that, one of the best ways to do it is find somebody that you're close to relationally and you trust and ask them what some of those things might be. Because you might not be aware that you've got an attachment issue because of some of that happened in your family. But your best friend might be able to tell you that. Um, but, but, but for real, do that. Pursue that. Because you might not be aware and see. And a lot of times marriage is a revealer because it's like a refining oven of awesomeness. That can reveal those things and when they're in the moment. But, but you also can, can save yourself from some of those moments coming out by bringing community in closer and say, like, hey, I know you love me, and I know you love me no matter what, unconditionally. So, like, what, what do you see in my life that could be something that I can continue to work on? I think that's a great, that's a great thought. A um, couple more here. Oh, that one is probably from last week couple questions and comments about my mustache. I'm not going to acknowledge those. <laughs> our kids, <laughs> one of our children almost lost his breath last night laughing at Chase as he <laughs> shaved his facial hair off. I, I don't know there could be a more, like, demoralizing moment. All three of them are laughing. On I, but I wish I had recorded it. It was <laughs> one of my favorite moments of I, life. But, but, yeah, our oldest, Weston, like, actually, like, he kept laughing so long and so hard he, like, stopped breathing for a little bit. <laughs> I was like, this. I mean, this isn't this isn't that funny. But um, do you always have butterflies in your stomach yes. while you're in marriage? Hundred percent, every day, all day. <laughs> um, no, no, you don't. And that is so funny because you know, I, I think it's good to acknowledge um, the world of butterflies and the world of attraction. I think I said this. I think I said this. Two, two years ago when we did this series, and I, I think it's something that I, I would want to challenge you with again, whether it's butterflies or attraction level, because there's a lot of people that struggle with, like, I'm just not as attracted. Uh, people are like, oh, should, have you thought about so-and-so in your life? Could be an option, or blah, blah, blah. And they're like, nah, I'm not attracted, or things like that. I'm sure some of you have been moments like that. you got a type, and your type is, you know, a nine and a half or higher, and that's it. There's no compromising, blah, blah, blah. Um, Attraction is important. It's just not as important as you think it is. Everybody, to a degree, uh, you need to have the attraction. Natural human uh, build is to go like, I'm attracted to that, and I want to be closer to that. That's, I think, our natural wiring as humans. But we've created a culture. We are in a culture in a world where, like, worships attraction. Like, it's the absolute capital T truth. And I'm telling you what, like, um, I think Holly's knocked it gorgeous. Beauty. Not just, like, you know, attractive, like, fire-hot attractive. Like, I'm talking, like, beauty. Like, beauty inside and out beauty. Um, But I've learned in marriage, like, physical attraction, it's still, it's important, yes. But it's just not nearly as important as I thought it was. 
Um, and so to encourage you as you're thinking about the world of a potential person that you would want to pursue if you're in the single season and you feel like you want to walk into a marriage relationship and God's not called you to a life or a season of singleness, keep that in mind about attractiveness. Along those lines with butterflies, it's the same kind of concept. Like, yes, our butterfly moments real 100%. And I love that. Like, that's awesome. There should be those, mo- you should have the sense of that feeling of, of like, oh, like I feel something different when I'm with you or have those moments. Like, there should be something like that that kind of leaps up in you. It's, it's, there's a love. There's something that's stirring up. And or the initial moments of like, you know, coming together in a place where you realize like, I like you and you like me and I want you and you want me and this is something we're going to pursue together. And there's still moments like that in marriage. Um, and they're not as active or regular, at least in our, at least in our like marriage relationship. But there are still moments, and when they happen, they're more real than when they were when we were dating and when we were engaged. Because we've, we've seen some things. Like, we've, we've been through some, some stuff, okay? We've, 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 we've overcome some, some mountains and, and hiked over some, you know, in, through the valleys. And, and, and so when those moments come, it's more real. And so, um, you know, I, I would just say don't, don't pursue that as, like, the butterflies. If they're not there and you're thinking something is wrong, that's not true. Um, but, but when they do come, they're more, they're more real, at least they have been for us. That's a, that's a good question. Uh, a couple more. How would you encourage or guide a couple who's dating or engaged and has seen some red flags in their relationship but feel like they are so close, so, all so close, oh, it's up there, to the next step? that they are hesitant to putting a stop or pause to their relationship? Good question. Okay, a couple highlights. You're in a dating relationship or an engaged relationship. You acknowledge it could be some red flags. Um, first and foremost, acknowledge them. Like, don't push them down and be like, ah, oh, it'll go away. It won't go away. It'll probably get worse. And then you'll be in a, a position where you don't have the same capacity in life to navigate some of those things in the way that you could if you were to pause a breakup or whatever. And again, it's painful. It's not ideal, but it's it's better than putting yourself in a marriage that um, you saw a lot of red flags beforehand that you could have taken a, a pause or a redirect and gotten some stuff right before jumping into that kind of level of commitment. Because once you're in it, you're in it. And again, God's grace abounds. Like there's going to be, God's will help you navigate that, but you will save yourself a lot of uh, heartache and headache, I think, if you can pause with those red flags and then go, let's acknowledge these and address these now. Ending a relationship in a dating relationship is a lot uh, easier to walk out than ending a marriage. Yes. And, oh, we're so close to the next step is not a good enough reason to stay in something that may not be right. Um, pre-marriage, right, Pre pre-covenant to, to the Lord and to each other uh, in marriage. And um, and you'd be surprised at, ready? This is what I believe to be true. If we had not broken up our engagement, we wouldn't be married today or still married, better said maybe. If we had plowed through staying engaged the first time and not I'd had that whole process and season, I, I, I'm not going to like try to, foretell our future or any of that, I pretty much can guarantee we wouldn't be married still if we just got married and just tried to drive through that. There was something that the Lord needed to do in us that could have only happened by breaking up and then walking that process out. So so don't be fooled either in thinking that something is irreversible in the sense of like a pause on your dating relationship or a pause on your engagement. You just have to, you have to address the reality that there's probably some things under the things that, that are you're more concerned about, what people think. Uh, finances that you spent something on a venue, whatever, right? Those are legitimate things. They're still not worth moving forward in something that could be wrong when you can stop and address it and see if it's right. Good question. Um, How did you recover from slash restore the physical barriers that were broken prior to marriage? Uh, Great question. I, I wonder... I might try to answer it or have you help me answer it because I don't know if, if that question's coming from a place of how did we do that 
as we continued our uh, re restored dating and engaged relationship, or how did we uh, overcome some of that trust broken from our dating relationship in and into our marriage? Because both of those have been at play. So I'll address the how did we rest restore to the the dating relationship and engaged relationship after we broke up. A um, couple things. I will be upfront and acknowledge this. Even though we got a lot healthier during that breakup season before we got back together, I still didn't 100% hit it out of the park leading physically once we got back together. Um, by God's grace, we saved sex for marriage. Um, but the other kind of markers, if you will, some of those markers that we had established very clearly that we felt like God had been clear to us about what it was going to look like to honor him and honor each other, I pushed. And, um, and so when we got back together, here's what, here's what I for sure did. I had people up in my grill. This is, and this, was, this will be an answer to the question. H how did you recover or restore? One, for me personally, I had to be real with the fact that like I, I needed somebody else to help me navigate that that wasn't one of the two of us. Ultimately, I'm responsible for me. She's responsible for her. Um, but I needed some men in my life who could be up in my grill, in love, but sit me down and go, how are you guys doing? Are you honoring the Lord and are you honoring her? Are you protecting her heart? Are you uh, protecting her trust in you? And I would give them an answer and they'd go, cool. How are you really doing? And, and, and not let my initial great Christian answer be the, the one that they accepted. I had to get people, and I invited them to get up in my grill. I intentionally pursued it. People will not, most people won't get up in your grill unless you invite them into that access. I needed that. And I'd say for any guy or girl in here that's in a relationship that they want to honor God and honor each other uh, as they walk their journey to getting married, that, is, that could be one of the greatest things you could ever do for your relationship is invite somebody that you can trust into that space to say, will you be up in my grill and keeping me accountable in this space? Because, because we want to honor God and honor each other. Not because we're trying to, you know, not break the rules or like, you know, because it's not about legalism. It's not about moral legalism that a lot of people have been, they've messed themselves up with. It's about our heart, honoring God and honoring each other. So that was one thing. Um, would you, how, how would you say that? Because you, obviously you, you were on more of the, the hurt side from that than I was when it came to the physical boundaries. Do you have any thoughts on on that question? I think so much of it, it was just having continued communication and yeah. openness over the years, like walking into marriage of like, these are feelings, these are past ex from past experiences three, four years ago, but having that continued communication um, and that openness, that like heart openness to be willing to receive that communication, I think is just necessary yeah not easy or comfortable not, no not easy or comfortable in, in embracing the fact that it isn't easy and comfortable that uncomfortable doesn't always mean wrong when it comes to those conversations um and just yes we had to constantly allow conversation and communication to happen and grace 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 you don't overcome and get restored in that space without grace um so that that'd be, that'd be, there's a lot more I'd say to that because there's that I think there's a there's a lot of different angles to that question that I'd love to hit, but that's that's where I'll go from now. Um, <laughs> I mean, it is, but you have a I feel like you got a great insight. How do you deal with rejection from your partner's family? Well, both of our families are amazing and they love us and they love each other. We let, you know, so we haven't had a problem with this, so we'll just move on to the next question. <laughs> um, this is a hard one, you know, and there's so many dynamics, obviously. There's so many different uh, factors that can contribute to what your situation may be. Everyone's got a different situation. Um, and here's what you got to understand. Everybody's family is broken. Everybody's family is broken. Even if the mom and dad are married still, and they've, they're not divorced or they're not remarried or whatever, they're still broken. <laughs> and, and so why I say that is because it's easy for us to, um, you know, depending on our, our family or our partner's family, look at different families and go, well, your family's got 
this and my family is whatever. Everybody's family is broken, which means that there's going to be a broken degree involved in their relationship with you and your relationship with them. And whatever baggage they've got in their life, they're going to bring into the situation. If they've got some, you know, unresolved thing from their childhood, their upbringing, their relationship with their daughter or their son, and you're now into the picture, you will become a recipient from some of that baggage and brokenness as a byproduct of being in the relationship. And you did nothing to deserve it except for just getting married to the person. Um, You're like, whoa, this sounds super discouraging. How do I, I don't want to do this. Um, no, it, it, there's, the Lord helps you through it, but, but how you deal with rejection from your partner's family is the same answer I'd give you to how you deal with the rejection from your spouse or the person that you're pursuing. And it is just that, that whole concept of if you live by their acceptance, you'll die by their rejection. Um, you got to go into it knowing that no matter what they think or feel about me, their validation is not where I get my, my worth or my value. Um, and it might take time to develop a relationship. It might take time for walls to come down. It might take time for things to get resolved that's not going to be fixed overnight. Um, And so I would just say be humble, be patient, get your identity secured in Jesus, and then be ready for a journey. And that's part of what we've experienced with both of our families towards each other. And I'll tell you what, 10 years in, um, the relationships that we have with each other's moms and dads and our families is so much better than I ever thought it could be, especially in the first couple years when we were married. And I looked at it and I was like, good Lord. This is not going to be good. Um, and and there's somebody other down there next to that, but that's a great question. Okay, two more and then we're going to wrap up with prayer. Anything that you see? It's similar to the rejection from their family, but... Is there anything that stands out about that one? Okay. I'll hit it because I think that it'll be applicable. Obviously, somebody's asking it, but it could be applicable for more people. How do you how to deal with a controlling family that rejects your um, significant other? How to deal with a controlling family that rejects? So, kind of, kind of similar to that question, but maybe more so the you're the one asking for your partner rather than them dealing asking from their point from the rejection. That's hard. Um, you know, again, similarly to, like, at some point, a man and a woman have to leave their family, and not just leave their family physically, but they have to leave their family from a, an emotional and a spiritual sense as well. And what I mean by that is it's a, there's, a, there's a, consci- a conscious disconnect that you've got to make to step into your adulthood that's going to require a sacrifice to what you've known and what they've known, and it's biblical. Um, it doesn't mean you ever, you don't ever listen to what they have to say or take their wisdom or their opinions or their thoughts, etc. But, but as you go on that journey towards pursuing somebody, towards an engagement and a marriage, um, you will have to cross a line when it comes to family if that's the situation where they're controlling and they reject who you're pursuing. Um, now, the caveat to that would be your history with your, your parents or your guardians or whatever that situation is. If they have historically had a place in your life where their voice has been valuable, and what I mean by that is that you have received counsel from them throughout your life and it's been healthy, and you, you can track record it and go, there have been several moments where their wisdom was connected from the word and connected from the heart of God, and I can see that. If they are seeing or saying something about your significant other that you're pursuing and you got a track record of some things that were like they heard from God or had a lot of godly wisdom, I'm not telling you that that means that they're hearing again from God, but I am telling you that is different. I would would turn my ear more to what they're saying and, and ask if God has got any truth in their wisdom that he would help reveal it to your heart. Then if you've got a mom or dad or a guardian situation where they are not following God, they don't love the word of God, they don't care about God things, kingdom things, and they're just, they don't like your girlfriend or they don't like your boyfriend and they're controlling. It's different. But I do see a lot of young people go, I don't give a crap what my mom and dad think anymore, you know, blah, 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 and they just run their own course. And I see a lot of people miss when they should be listening more to what their parents are saying, honoring them because of the track record. And then there are other situations where, like, no, you are way too controlled by a mom and dad that 
uh, do not see things through a kingdom lens. And that opinion should not weigh ultimate in your, in your life as you pursue uh, someone. I hope that made sense. Man, great questions. And um, the way you're asking them is really encouraging for me because, uh, you know, you're, you're really thinking about this. You're wrestling with this. Whether you're married or you're single, you're in a dating or engaged relationship, or you desire to be married one day or remain single, um, I'll, I'll point you back to the very first thing I said five or six weeks ago when we started this series, that my heart for this whole thing was that you are pointed to the reality that the most important pursuit in your entire life is your pursuit of your relationship with Jesus, and everything else is dictated by that pursuit of that relationship. Everything, your friendships, your potential relationship, dating, engaged, married, single, that's the point. The healthier that is, the healthier everything else will flow from that place. And so that's the priority pursuit that you and I have to go on and remain on if we want to experience that kind of healthy relationship stuff in our lives. So we love you. Thanks for letting us share. It's always a privilege for us to just uh, share the story of part of what God's done in us and is doing in us. Uh, we're not, we're so far from perfect. We still have a long ways to go in this world of relationship stuff, but man, God's done a lot. And I pray that that testimony is encouraging to your heart tonight in some way and capacity. So I'm going to pray for you. In fact, will you pray for them? And then we'll wrap it up.